What up? How's it going? I hope my voice sounds better on this. I've tried to record this three times now. Uh, I'm trying to find the appropriate way to record this. The first time I tried on my drive, but um, didn't sound right. Like there was so much road noise. And then I tried through my Beats headphones, but it made me come out super nasally. And so I'm trying to see if it's just me being nasally or if it was the Beats and the speaker and the Beats. I don't know. So uh, we're, we're going to see. I don't know how to start this thing. I'm only doing it because I've been listening to my buddy's podcast, The uh, Handsome Savage, by the way, by Jeremiah Lay. And he has the ad at the beginning, and uh, he says that there's no excuse. There's no excuse to not have a podcast. So I figured I'd get on here and talk about my latest obsession. I already talked to myself as it is, and if you don't talk to yourself, you're lying. You're you're lying, and you're you're not fooling anybody. Everybody talks to themselves. You know, I think it's healthy to talk to yourself. The only time that it's not healthy is when you start arguing with yourself and losing those arguments. Okay, that's that's not healthy. Uh, <laughs> but I have no excuse to not have a podcast. So here we go. Uh, so my latest obsession is The Walking Dead, uh, and it it you know it's an old show, but it's it means a lot to me, um, and not in some super sentimental way. It's just I used to I grew up watching this show. I remember. Every Sunday at like 9, starting in shit, like October of 2010, I would watch this show. And I watched it religiously. Like, I did not miss an episode. Um, and it was amazing. It was one of the, in my opinion, one of the greatest pieces of television, like, ever. You know? Um, was. It was. Uh, and the things that made it fantastic were the same things that in the later seasons detracted from it um in the first few seasons everything that happened progressed naturally there wasn't drama for drama's sake there was drama because you could see the characters having those qualms between each other okay one of the first dramas that you're introduced to with the main group is t-dog and merle going at it because merle's a fucking uh like neo-nazi and you know T-Dog is some gangster dude. So, of course, they're going to butt heads and shit. And then Rick being the cop that he was and thinking that the world can be fixed at this point, handcuffs Merle to the roof. Like, boom, there's drama. But it wasn't forced. It was like, oh, okay, yeah, I could totally see that happening. Rick being a cop, not still understanding the full scope of how the world works, would want to restrain the person causing an issue, right? So how does he do that? He handcuffs him. Boom, problem solved. Merle is going to have an issue with T-Dog because, again, even though the world is falling apart, doesn't mean that these people's social qualms aren't going to come up. They're going to rear their heads more frequently and more violently because there is nothing stopping them from acting upon their violent impulses or upon their, their, uh, shall we say, degenerative impulses, you know? And so the conflict between those two characters I felt like would would have happened I felt like that's and with the way that they were reacting I was like oh okay well this has happened before you know it was just brilliant writing the way that the show was filmed was amazing they could do so much with camera angles and the pans and the slight shakes that it would build this suspense and this intensity in a scene just by 
how the camera was, which is the way it should be. It's the way that cinema works as well. Cinema does that to your eyes. It tricks you into looking for things that aren't really there based upon how the camera is angled, which is really cool. And uh, one of my favorite um, ways that this is showcased is also, in my opinion, the point in the show where it changed. And it's the scene after the prison fell and everybody's separated and they're following train tracks towards sanctuary and unbeknownst to, you know, the other parts of the group, they're all heading in the same direction, but they don't know that yet. And Rick and Daryl Dixon and Carl are traveling together and they run into this group of dudes and one of the men pen Carl to the ground and the rest of them restrain Rick and Daryl and the dude pinning Carl is like getting ready to rape him and Rick bites the jugular out of the man that is restraining him and I was like Jesus holy shit you know that that's heavy man that is heavy but unlike in gory movies or in in horror movies I felt like it wasn't it wasn't gory to be grotesque. It was gory because that was a that was an awful thing to do. But I felt like it was it was the progression of his character. It was the progression of Bearded Rick. Bearded Rick is a savage. Always has been a savage. Anytime he has a beard, he's fucking savage. But <laughs> but when he bites that man's jugular out, I didn't feel like it was straining to be grotesque. I didn't feel like it was straining to be disgusting. It was, in my opinion, what a man with no options would do to protect his son's innocence. And there was so much backlash after that. And to feed back into the camera thing, what was interesting about that scene was after the initial bite, the camera quickly swapped to Daryl Dixon and focused on his face. And you could see... Like, your reaction to what Rick was doing was mirrored on Daryl's face. Like, Daryl was like, sweet Jesus, dude. Like, bro, Jesus Christ. You know, and then Daryl dropped the the other two guys because, you know, that's who Daryl Dixon is. He's fucking awesome. But, like, that was brilliant. Fucking brilliant. And there was so much backlash after that episode because people were like, that's just too much for television. I don't know why people who complain about television sound like that, but they do in my head. So leave me alone. Shut the fuck up. But, like, I don't, I don't think it was. I think, I think it was justified. I think that that character would have done that. Hundred per- I, I have no, I have no qualms about saying that. I, hundred percent believe that that Rick would have done that. Um, because people do fucked up shit now, and there's not even a zombie apocalypse. Like one of my. One of the stories that I read not too long ago was about this man in Florida. I know, Florida man. But there was a man in Florida who caught the guy who raped his four-year-old daughter. And he tied him to a stick and roasted him alive and then came willingly with the cops. So is it really that hard to believe that a man in a zombie apocalypse wouldn't bite another dude's throat out? I don't think so. I really don't think so. I think that that is... I think that that would be something that would happen. If a zombie apocalypse were to happen, that would happen. 100%, I think that would happen. Um, And that was 
to me, one of the coolest things about The Walking Dead was that it was a show about people first. They just happened to live in a zombie apocalypse. You know, like, even though the show focused on, you know, things about the zombie apocalypse, like running away from hordes and clearing out settlements and, you know, it it really, it wasn't about the zombies. Like, you could have thrown anything in there, you know, like an EMP burst or uh, a nuclear holocaust. Both of those were shows as well. They were both post-apocalyptic shows, but those didn't last very long. Uh... The first that I mentioned, which was the EMP Blast, was a show called Revolution, which I thought had a lot of cool ideas, but didn't get any traction because they were so freaking dramatic for no reason. It was so dramatic. So dramatic. And they fell into the trope of TV, which is where every problem has to be solved in 20 minutes. And that's not how a show like that should work. It should build. There should be problems that are arcing. You should have three or four episode long problems. You should have an underlying problem that runs an entire season, maybe maybe two seasons, you know. Um, and then the former that I mentioned, which was the nuclear, was the show called Jericho, which again was so just just unbelievably dramatic. Oh my god, it was so dramatic. It was just ridiculous. The amount of over-the-top, telenovela-level, just faint. There was, a, there was a legit faint in the show from, for dramatic purposes. And I was like, oh, my God. Like, it had such a cool concept. It, it was really cool, you know? Like, the, the underlying story about this dude having a dirty bomb that he didn't want to blow up, and that was why he was this hidden character in the show. If you, Sorry if I'm spoiling this for you, if anybody's watching it, or if anybody's actually listening and watching it. I'm double sorry. Uh, but, I mean, it's been out since, like, 2006, so you've had time. Uh, like, this, the, the character, he had a dirty bomb in his garage, and he was part of this terrorist, terrorist cell, and you find out later he was working for the CIA to get undercover, and he didn't ever blow up the bomb, and... Now he wants to deliver the bomb because the people who paid for the bomb are now in charge of the government and he needs to get to the Republic of Texas so that the Republic of Texas can fight back. And I was like, yo, that's really cool. Like, that's a cool-ass concept, man. And then you had to go ruin it with shitty fucking writing. But, I don't know. I don't know. There's been a, a decline in good television to me. Um, and, and television in particular. And the reason I say that is because, well, I don't consider HBO to be television, uh, nor do I consider like any of the, anything you have to pay for extra is not television. Okay. So like Netflix and Hulu and Amazon, now Apple TV, HBO, Showtime, all of those, they're, they're not television. Those are, I don't even know what to call it. It's not TV. It's not movies. It's somewhere in the between. We're going to call it, because I know it's streaming, but that doesn't sound professional enough i don't know what it is but it's good and those are taking off and i i like the fact that they're allowing these people to make stories the way that they want to make stories like black mirror is a great uh example of that like netflix was like yeah they were like make a yeah make a episode about what you think a problem in america is but just magnify it a hundredfold, make it kind of futuristic-y, and then run with it, see what happens. And it was, it, it's interesting, you know, and I, I like that. 
Uh, I like Hulu's originals. I like Amazon's originals. I need to watch the new one that they have out, which is what, Carnival Row or something like that? I've got my... I got my PlayStation pulled up right now, but I'm, you know, talking to my phone, so I haven't done anything. It's about to go into rest mode. Uh, I think it's called Carnival Row. It's the one with Cara Delevingne and Orlando Bloom. I need to watch that one, too. And The Boys. I think that that's a really cool look at uh, superheroism. But all of these shows have much better writing than standardized TV. Even the dramas on Netflix. Uh, one of them that stands out to me, I watched it with my mom whenever she came to visit me, uh, was uh, Gracie and Frank or Frankie and Grace, something like that. It's about these two women and their husbands turn out to be gay lovers and they get married and these two women have to deal with it. Like it's a cool concept for a show. It is dramatic, but it's so well written that it's not over the top, nor does it have a laugh track. I don't remember, recall, which annoyed me a lot about Cable television is laugh tracks. If your joke's not funny, it's not funny. Okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to laugh at it regardless, you know? Uh, I thought that was a funny bit that they did on uh, Family Guy, too, whenever they talked about the laughing ostrich for two and a half men. But um, I'm getting off topic here. But those shows are able to do more than I believe that cable television are because people have to pay for them so they're expecting a little bit of creative freedom and what they're allowed to get away with right because i don't i don't netflix doesn't have to abide by the fcc you know neither does hulu i don't think i don't think those shows have to abide by the fcc because they're allowed to say fuck and you can't say fuck on tv so i think that that's fantastic i hope television dies honestly i do I really hope television dies. I don't think it will, because, uh, you know, the radio hasn't died yet. Um, but I, I, think it's, I think it's time is closing quickly. Just like morning radio, I feel like it's time closed when the birth of the podcast happened. I feel like television's time is coming to an end because of streaming services. Because they're able to portray much more impactful stories... Because they, one, have the, the, the time and they have the ability to give these unknowns or these possible known names the startup to create something fantastic that they wouldn't have the chance to have done on cable television. And so, I don't know, I'm, I'm, I'm really curious what would have happened, like what could have been if The Walking Dead had been on a streaming service, or even if it had been on HBO, would it have shied away from how visceral humanity could have been? Or how visceral humanity is, you know? I don't know. I don't, I'd say, I don't know. But I am going to finish watching The Walking Dead. I think, um, I think I owe it that, you know, for it being such a big part of my television growing up childhood thing. I don't know. I think I owe it to the show. And I want to see if maybe I'm just being too harsh. You know, was it really that bad after that one scene that I talked about? Or am I just remembering it with the opposite of rose-tinted glasses? Or maybe I'm remembering the first few seasons with rose-tinted glasses and the show's been mediocre all along. But, I mean, I'm on season three and I definitely don't believe that, so...
I don't know. We'll see. Season three, episode five. I'll keep you guys up to date. Um, I feel like this monologue's been pretty good. I don't know. I'm trying to work it out because I, uh, my buddies are starting up the Forever Hard podcast again, which is awesome because that was a fantastic podcast. And then, like I was saying, my buddy uh, Lay has his podcast, which is where he monologues. I don't. He called it a rant in one of the episodes, and I don't. It's not really a rant, you know. It's more of a monologue. Uh, and I I don't know. I want to be. I want to see if I can guest on one of those, but I want to. I got to get the mic situation worked out. I want to make sure that I don't sound dumb. I mean, I know I sound dumb, but I don't. <laughs> I don't want it to come off low quality on these guys' shows because you know they take a lot of time to to do it. Even if they do do it on just their commute into work or around a table with one mic, it's still they put you know a lot of thought into it. There's a lot of there's a lot of uh, talent behind that. So I don't know. We're practicing. We're uh, getting ready for something cool. So, thanks for listening to me monologue. You guys are uh, fantastic. I love you. Stay beautiful. Bye-bye.